Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. We actually have some Blue Jackets news to talk about this week, finally, after after a slow month. Uh, and then we're also going to play a fun game here, picking all-time Blue Jackets teams. I am your host today, PD, and with me is Elaine Shercliffe. Good evening, Elaine. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Good. Um, I was just thinking about that whole thing with the news because most teams do a Friday news dump and I Mm -hmm. feel like the Jackets do an end of the month news dump. (laughs) (laughs) You don't hear anything for a month and then you go about living your life. And all the news comes out. Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll start with the what was their Friday news dump that they uh, made a signing of Vladislav Gavrikov, their defenseman, who was a exclusive rights restricted free agent. Uh, they signed him to a three-year contract. He'll have an annual cap hit of $2.8 million. Uh, he will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of that uh, contract. I was happy to see that. What, what did you think about Gavrikov's signing? Is that about what you expected? I was- well, it was more, it was actually more than I expected because he is new to the team actually playing. I was, saw them out and I was like, Yarmo's paying people that he's seen play on the team. Yeah. Like, I get why he doesn't want to pay people that he hasn't seen work with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of a risk. It's sometimes not always worth taking, but he, he notoriously doesn't pay his players what we think they deserve. Or sometimes he, sometimes he pays them a little bit more than they deserve. Um, but you know, he's a solid second pairing. If he, I, I truly believe if he and Savard were on any other team, well, not any other, but probably like 20 other teams, they would be in line to be first pair. So I feel like we got him for a good amount and it's still a prove it kind of contract. So if he does produce, he is able to give him the money that he continues to deserve. And if he doesn't produce, they can trade him or let him walk or, and it be no big deal. Yeah. I thought the contract was very much in line with his production, you know, reasonable term, reasonable cap hit, you know, that's not 
that's not a contract that would age poorly or anything. And I don't think it's going to, because I think he's a good player and I think he's going to continue being a good player for at least the next three years. Um, you know, I looked back at what Marcus Nudevara made coming off of his entry level contract, but that was after he had played two seasons and he got four years and it was, I think a 2.7 million cap hit. So, and that was after two years of playing a mostly third pair role. So here at Gavrikov has right. one year playing really well in a second pair role. So he got, you know, one less year and a little bit more money per year. So uh, I thought that seemed very fair. And yeah, so I loved his game. I thought he and Savard played together really well. Um, I don't know that it's essentially what any team would look for in a top pairing because there's not a ton of offense coming from them. But I think certainly among second pairs in the league, that's got to be one of the best. So I think we still have a very, very strong top four compared to any other team in the league. So Right. Like, I think... That some of the teams, when I say that he they could be <laughs> top pairings on other teams, it's because I think some of those teams struggle so badly right. with defense that scoring doesn't matter because they have the scores. Like if you look at the Blackhawks, they have scores who they didn't score as much <laughs> this season as they should have, but they have the scoring power. And the defense constantly let them down from a defense standpoint. So if you have the forwards who constantly produce, you don't need your top defenders to put points on the board um, in the goal or assist. Yeah, or, or you look at a team like Florida, who has, yes. has a, yes. their defense is <laughs> atrocious. And so, like, you know, Nudavara, who was kind of becoming an afterthought here. You know he's gonna he's gonna probably play top four minutes, if not top pair minutes, yeah. there in Florida. Uh, which I mean, I, right. I hope he I hope he does because I like him as a player. But uh, but yeah, that's an example of our depth is so much better than a team like that. So um, so yeah, it's good, good to have him locked up. Interestingly, he is the just the third Blue Jacket now signed for the 2022-23 season. Uh, he joins right. Cam Atkinson and Gus Nyquist in that role. Which is interesting. Um, so, and speaking, <laughs> speaking, but which you know that it gives the Jacks a lot of flexibility over the next two off seasons. You know, a lot of cap space, a lot of players some they can let walk. They have room to sign new guys, trade for new guys. Uh, you know, there's a lot of you know, as you said, like a show me thing. There's going to a lot of guys that have a lot to prove over the next two seasons, and that'll determine how the team uh, operates moving forward. Whether you know which guys to stick with, which guys to move on from. Um, and speaking of Nyquist. The other piece of news last week is that uh, Gus underwent shoulder surgery. Um, this was kind of surprise news to the fans because we didn't know that he was hurt, that he was playing through something. Apparently, he assisted developed in his shoulder, um, and I guess a, a big enough to have caused a little bit of a tear there, uh, which sounds incredibly painful. And it wasn't getting better with rest, so they decided surgery was the best course. He is now going to be out for five to six months, so we're probably looking at early April being the earliest that he would come back. Now, if the season starts so much later, that might only be half the season. We don't know, but still, that's uh, a long time with, with no Gus there. Um, so first of all, if if you had any experience with the, that kind of shoulder injury, <laughs> no, I you not okay. of all the injuries I've had, I've never had a shoulder injury. I like I popped my elbow out of its socket. I've had thirteen concussions. How I'm alive, we'll never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I had nodules on my vo- my vocal cords. Like I 
I've never even heard of a shoulder issue okay. like his. So you've not had any surgery to repair a torn muscle in the upper body there like that. So, right. Okay, cool. I have never had surgery, <laughs> knock on wood. I hope it never happens. And I, you, I knew you played sports. I feel like you may have had a history of some kind of stuff. So uh. Yeah, I get the weird things. Like I once got hit. One of my concussions came from getting hit. I was a catcher, so I got hit in the back of the head with a bat because I was crowding the plate because I... I didn't want them to hit that home run. I was trying to force them to butt. And they were like, well, maybe we'll get her to move back. And I didn't. (laughs) So both of my siblings were um, pretty good athletes in high school, you know, played multiple varsity sports. And and yet somehow I was the only one of the three of us to break a bone playing sports. And it's it's when I was in like second grade, I was playing basketball and it was just in warm ups. A ball just like came up and hit my hand the wrong way and broke my pinkies. <laughs> oh no, that's like Ryan Murray. Yeah, like, it was so weird. And the mom's like, "Oh, it's you know, you just stubbed it. It's fine." And then my sister was like, "No, mom, I played volleyball for a lot of years. I've seen a lot of stubbed fingers. Like that's black and blue. Like that's no, I think that's broken." And then like yeah. a few days later, it hadn't gotten better, and they took me in. Oh yeah, no, that's broken. So so I had the like most severe injury that of my siblings in our in their sporting career, despite me being by far the least athletic. Um, so back to Gus. So this leaves a hole in the lineup because it seemed like he was probably going to be on the second line with Max Domi and Cam Atkinson. So uh, who do you think fills that role? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, that's yeah. There's, you know, Um, it's a big question. Well, because Cam is right. Right. So this would be the left wing position. Boom. Okay. Wait. No, because Gus is on. Boone would be on the first. No, uh, I think Alex Texier would be the left winger on the first line with uh, Bureau Dubois and Oliver Bjorkstrand, most likely. So Boone would be a possibility. Nick Foligno would be another possibility. Um, Those are probably the two most likely possibilities to slot in there, uh, which neither of them necessarily wow me from an offensive standpoint. And I think that line needs to be an offensive line. Uh, Well, Boone. I think plays. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think Boone plays so much better at the wing position I that I think we're going to see him help generate offense. I don't think he's a finisher, which is what the C position needs to be—a total finisher. He's definitely a creator, a throw like throw a puck over to someone and then annihilate someone on the boards to make sure they don't get to that. Puck. Or just park himself in front of the net and get rebounds and dirty yeah. goals. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yes. And when you're a center, you can't do that. Right, right. And I think yeah, you know, they think he can get back to playing a four check role, uh, which I think will suit him well. Um, I just I don't know that he has the speed necessarily to keep up with Cam and Domi. Uh, so that'd be my concern with having him there. Um, one idea kind of outside the box that I suggested in Cannon Blast this week was move Bemstrom over to the left side. And so you'd have basically two snipers on either wing of Domi with Cam and Bemstrom. Uh, I don't know if that's too, if that's too much of, of that kind of same skill on that line, but I thought I thought that could be an interest that'd be another interesting idea. If the jackets picked up rebounds <laughs> I would totally be for it, but they don't. <laughs> Not in the way that you would expect them to. It, it has been um, an issue, but, yeah. yeah. Right, but it could work if you have the second pairing of Savard and Gavrikov on, mm. because they won't let them get out of the neutral right. zone, or they'll try their hardest. So if they don't, if they're firing off bombs from, you know, lasers from either the point or from the face-off dot, at least you know that Savvy and Gabby 
will prevent it from getting towards yeah and so it could work and and i I do think that just overall as a philosophy the team needs to the forwards need to spend more time below the dots which i think was an issue last season there were too many shots that were taken from way too far away and they just they need to get in around the net and create more high danger chances which they did not do last year they do and it i always (laughs) i was saying this the other day to my mom actually I was like, you know, they all really love the hockey song, <laughs> but they never swarm the net like Bumblebee. Exactly. And Stinger is <laughs> an offshoot of a Bumblebee. So make your boy proud and just, you know, go ham on the net. <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, yeah. Be more like Stinger in this one specific case. Um, now, the the other fallout of having someone having to slide into the second roll line is that I think it creates more opportunities on the bottom six. So where there was going to be maybe a bit of a roster crunch on the forward position, now there's one more guy that could stay. And so one player that I want to see get an opportunity is Kevin Stenland. Uh, And he was recently re-signed as well. He accepted his qualifying offer, so he's on a one-year two-way deal. Um, And I, I liked what I saw from him last season. And, you know, he got into the playoffs, you know, at the end of the Tampa series and he scored power play goal. Like, uh, you know, he filled in nicely when there were the injuries. Um, so I think he's deserving of a bigger look. I don't necessarily see him as having, you know, high end upside, but as a really solid bottom six contributor um, who can maybe slide up on an emergency basis if necessary. Because uh, I think he does all the little things right. He's a reliable player. Um, he can provide a spark to the team, it seems like. So he's one player now that I think if they could give him a longer look, um, you know, Liam Foody uh, can get a look. Maybe, you know, because he played some top six minutes, he could maybe even slide up into that second line left wing role, perhaps. You know, again, because I think he could be the type that would crash the net because he's such a, a big body and he's got the speed, certainly. Right. He's unafraid. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I think those giving those guys a chance, whether on the second line or whether on one of the on the bottom six, because one of those other guys is moving up, I think it'd be a great opportunity for those younger players. Yeah, with, um, with Stenland, and, I am always reminded of how little the Jackets think, and most hockey teams, let's be honest, think outside of the box mm-hmm. when it comes to their special teams. Stenland excels on the special teams. He's better, to me, he is better on the special teams than he is five on five. Interesting. If you see that from a player, so what if he's not in the top six? If you have him in the bottom six, you have a guy who wins faceoffs in the defensive zone, who uh, can drive a play, who can finish it, but also who can set it up in such a way that the other power play unit coming on can can make that goal happen, put them in. There's this, this thing that hockey teams need to let go of is just because you're in the top six does not mean you get top power play and PK minutes because sometimes people are just better under the pressure or better when there are only four guys on the ice because they can see the ice better knowing that they have four other teammates to work with and one less opponent. Or it's, it, it reminds me a little bit of in, in 2016-17 when we had Sam Gagne. And yeah. at 5-on-5, five five, he was in a fourth-line fourth role. Um, and that fourth line got you know kind of sheltered more offensive deployments and against weaker opponents. 
but you know, fourth line minutes, but then he got extra minutes by playing on the power play and was a key part at the pivot position of a power play that was doing really well for a bit. Um, so yeah, Stenland could certainly play that kind of role. He doesn't does, you know, you don't need to play him 12, five on five minutes necessarily, but you know, right. eight minutes there and another, <laughs> you know, two minutes or so on, you know, power play penalty kill, those kind of things. He could be very useful. And I was looking at his uh, stats from this season in 32 games, with the jackets, he had uh, six goals, four assists and exactly half of each were on the power play. Right. And I don't, you know, no one else can say they've had, you know, that much of their production came on the power play. Uh, so I, the power play is so bad. Obviously something works with Stenlin. Right. Give him a shot, you know? Um, right. And, and there were, he was one of three recent uh, restricted free agent signings of um, kind of monsters type players. Uh, Calvin Turkoff was another one on a one-year deal. And then Gabriel Carlson signed a two-year deal. First year is a two-way. Second year is a one-way contract, which is uh, which is interesting. Uh, it seems to indicate that they would want to keep him around on the NHL roster in uh, you know twenty one twenty two at least. Uh, what did you think about those two guys uh, getting re-signed? Well, I'm glad that Calvin is back. From an off the ice perspective, he's such a joy to have in the hallways and with the media, and sometimes his dogs around. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, and he, he's like, I think he's got, kind of got a raw deal from the Jacks. I yeah. think there's been chances where they should have called him up and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when, when they scratched Milano in advance of him being traded, they called up Turkoff then for the first time. Um, you know, then they acquired Devin Shore because they needed like a forward body. But like, why wouldn't they just, you know, call up Turkoff and let him be that extra body? Right. You know, because just give him it because he hasn't gotten the chance. So like, you know, you got a month left in the season. You know, let and he's you know his contract was coming up. See what he can do. You know, is he an NHL player or not? You know, you don't know if you don't play him. You know, where it's sure you know what you're getting from Shore, and it's fine, but it's not great. Whereas Turkoff could be worse, but he could be better. You know, you know, t- take the guy that could be good rather than the guy that you know is not good. Exactly, and that's that's the thing with Calvin. Is you're right. I feel like he hasn't gotten the credit he deserves with with the jackets I felt like he didn't get that credit with the monsters for a while but he definitely is coming to his own and what I what I adore about him as a player is he is a natural center he has always played center before coming up to the AHL and they threw him on the wing and that first year was kind of tough. You know, you're trying to, he was still growing, like physically growing. And he's also trying to learn the game a little bit more. And now he's learning a new position. Now, they're not that different, but it's different enough when you factor in all those things. Correct. But he spent the time to learn the role that they want him to be in. So they throw him on the fourth line once. A bad place to put him, first of all. But they put him there and he... Realized he needed to be more aggressive on that line. So you saw him play more aggressive. They put him on the first line with Stenland and McInnes, and it was magic. (laughs) Um, So basically, he is the kind of player where, while he excels at one position, if you need him at any other one, he will learn it. Like, I bet you if they told him today that he would have to play defense this season, he would be probably a little miffed, 
but he would automatically go and learn how to be a good defender <laughs> because he loves hockey that much. And so he's such an asset to have on the team. Sure. And at the very least, it's nice to have a guy who has that versatility where he can slot in at center or wing, whichever one you need him. And especially for a team that, um, you know, until this offseason had an issue with center depth. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. When Boone Jenner was playing center and he was not the fourth line center, and that's not even his natural position, there's an issue. Uh, and, and just for the record, too, Turkoff, uh currently playing in his home country of Switzerland this fall. Yes. Uh, two goals and an assist through seven games, and he's a plus five in those seven games. Yes. So. It's been fun to watch those games. Uh, and also, uh, apparently, 18 penalty minutes. So, well, <laughs> definitely still playing that physical game. Right. Well, the thing is, too, is it it's easy to be physical over there because it's not. I mean, it is a physical kind of game overseas but the level of physicality is is different so they call things a little bit quicker and a little bit softer gotcha yeah but knowing him he probably like slammed someone into the boards and laughed about it (laughs) all right so then we have carlson who uh in your mailbag last week uh you seem to think that he might have a leg up on being part of the the jackets roster this year I do. There's many reasons. First of all, I want to just address something, okay? And I'm not calling any one person out because this happens frequently. So if anyone is listening and they feel attacked, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is an open statement to people who frequently do this to me. Tell me that you disagree with me. Do not put another writer's article inside of my article and tell me I'm wrong because they said this. Tell me why you agree with them. I want to converse with you. I want you to tell me why you think I'm wrong. Okay. Because I want that dialogue, but I don't want this writer to, I don't want any writer to think I'm bashing their opinion as another writer. I also know that every single writer, everyone who has credentials is all on the same page about what's happening with Peek and Carlson. Nobody knows, not a single person. And and while people want to say that Harrington will not slot in over one of those guys, Harrington played in the playoffs for one game. For one game. That was a big enough <laughs> statement to say that they trusted him over the others. And I think that the fact they offered Carlson a one way for not this year, but next year, that speaks volumes more than uh more than anything, too. Peak is still young. Peak still has things to work on. In my personal opinion, I think he needs a little bit more time with Dylan Simpson. In the beginning, at least. And, and he is yes. still waiver exempt, which is easier from a roster management standpoint, which Carlson would not be exactly. in Harrington. Now, if he comes um, into now, to camp I, I will like say, guns blazing, please, please put him on the Jackets roster. <laughs> like, like, let me eat my words that he won't be in Cleveland. Now, yeah, and I, and I will go ahead and say to your face, yeah, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I, I am definitely a, an Andrew Peake partisan, um, and, and not just because he's a Notre Dame it kid. Uh, I, 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 it does help. I really like what, but he even exceeded my expectations last year because I didn't think that he would be NHL ready. Um, and he maybe, the team maybe didn't think he was, but 
they needed to fill the spot, and so they called him up. And he, he, looked, he looked really well. I think he was he, he positioned himself well. He was where he needed to be. He was sometimes invisible yeah. in the right way. You know, you don't want to notice defensemen sometimes. And Carlson, meanwhile, I, and I was a little surprised to see the team invest in him the way they did with that two-year deal um, because now he was a first-round pick in 2015. They traded up to get him. Obviously, they saw something in him then that they really liked. But he has not shown anything like that in the NHL and any of the chances that he's gotten. So it seems to me, and now you've raved about him from time to time I've also in Cleveland. Said that. So I wonder if maybe. Well. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> true. So I, I wonder if he might, Carlson might end up being one of these, you know, quad A type guys to steal right. a baseball term where like he can be really good for the AHL, but, you know, something about his game just doesn't right. translate to the NHL. And again, I hope I'm wrong. It'd be nice to have, again, more defensive depth as we've traded away Murray, we've traded away Nunavara. We don't know, you know, we've got this kind of mash of guys there on the third pair, you know, Kukin, Peak, Carls, and Harrington, Clendenning is even, you know, still technically in the mix. You know, we just don't know those guys the way we know Murray and Nunavara. None of those guys has been necessarily as a proven, reliable option right. to fill that role. And I hope that whoever the two guys are stay healthy and are productive. You know, that'd be a good thing for the team. And if the other guys can slot in seamlessly and be productive, which again, I, I think we know right. what Harrington is at this point, but Carlson well, maybe exactly. still has Harrington some upside. To me will be on the roster because he is the seventh D man. He's seventh D. He knows his role. Right. He accepts it. He's, and he's a good, he's a good, he's a good locker room guy, which but also that the matters, fact that you know, he, you need a seventh D. You need the seventh defender to come in on the third pairing and it not be so bad. And I, I, I want to dive more into Harrington because I feel like there's this disconnect that all of us are not seeing. The games that I've covered, well, and I'll say this about Harrington, noticed that he wasn't on the screen half the time. So I'm wondering if it's like the Brett Gallant effect down in Cleveland, where they hang back and they're mm-hmm. setting things up. You would, like I, I wonder, but I'm not seeing the full ice when I'm watching the Jackets games, like I do with the the monsters. Yeah. Well, well, and the the best thing I can say for Harrington and his role on the team, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about him today, but uh, is that he is a you can put him in the press box, and and, it, and because he is what he is, it's not hurting his development, and because he's a good teammate, right. he's not going to complain about it. Whereas with a guy like Carlson. Uh, if he's not playing in Columbus, I want him playing in Cleveland and playing top pair minutes in Cleveland. Because I think because he is still developing and that's better for his development. But if someone is, has to be the seventh guy and is eating popcorn during the game, uh, I think we can afford for that to be. One one more thing I wanted to touch on with that with Carlson and Peak is developmentally, I would like to see Peak up top, but he is not a third pair. He is so like in in the sense of he is better than that, but they would have to sit him, mm-hmm. like you said, like they wouldn't have a spot for him. And that to me is like, so what do you do in that position? Do you put him down or do you bring him up constantly? And that's why I think that the jackets are looking at it that way as well, um, because Carlson can play the third pairing. And it doesn't stunt his growth. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't score as much as, say, 
say Pete can't like Pete no can turn that switch on and be like, I'm scoring right now and then turn it right back off and go, I'm a defender. That's really the only reason why I think unless he comes in super like amazing and then they have to shake up deep pairings, I think that he will start (laughs) the season in Cleveland. You know, the lines I put forth are Mm -hmm. not full season because first of all, it's the jackets and they never stay the same. Secondly, with the (laughs) monsters, it also never stays because it's all dependent upon what happens up top. And so I think opening night. And and, and there's going to be injuries. You know, maybe maybe not to the extent we had this year, but someone's going to get hurt, right. and there's got to be and some shuffling. And opening night, if that. it's not a extended roster, I think he will be in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But I assume it's going to be if they start before the AHL, it will be an extended roster, <laughs> which will give him time to prove himself. So basically, nobody actually knows what Yarmo is going to do because it's so right. up in the air. You know, you see guys. I you know I follow them all on Instagram, and so many of them are putting up what they're doing to work out, and I see all their workouts. And I see how they're toning and how different their bodies are becoming, like more like strength wise. Like even Trey Fix Wolanski, like he is slimmer and more muscular, you know, and that's going to, I'm curious to see how that translates to his speed. And then we're watching Kevin Stenland. And like you said, his fundamentals are great and his fundamentals are great. So great. Now he's working on the skill aspect even more. So I think the veterans are going to, come into camp shocked at how well these young guys are coming up being super prepared with the way they're working out. So I'm, I'm very interested, like, because nothing can be set in stone because there's so many variables right now. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have those guys, you know, pushing the veterans, you know, and comp- yes. competition for the positions means that the cream is going to rise to the top and it's going to give us the best camp- roster possible. Yeah. Cam thrives on that, man. Cam's like, oh, you're gunning for my job? Let me let me just casually score a hat trick. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So speaking of good jackets players, you had this idea that we were going to do a 
draft to pick all-time Blue Jackets teams from the the last 20 years of Blue Jackets rosters. Um, So we are going to select three forwards, two defensemen, one goalie, and a coach. Yes. And um, you you won the the pre-recording coin toss. So, uh, Elaine, you have the first pick. Go ahead. First of all, I just want to take a moment to thank um, the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup and also for Stowe, Ohio, and Columbus, Ohio, for hosting this draft. (laughs) 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 For the first uh, pick of the draft, I will take Artemi Panarin. Okay. Because, yeah. So I'm going to be able to uh, steal like a Scott Housen line and say that the player I'm taking at number two (laughs) is who I would have taken if I had the first pick, you know? So getting the number one guy (laughs) off my board. Um, And I'm going to take uh, goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, With my second pick, I'm taking one Cam Atkinson. All right. Solid pick. So you're, uh, yeah, reuniting (laughs) Cam and Bread. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good line. I wonder if that maybe as uh, tipping your hand as to who your center pick that. might be. Uh, if you come to that. Um, all right. So, and again, this is working out great for me. I get to have the uh, you know the, the top guy on my board still. Uh, you know, the first franchise player that the Jackets really had. Uh, good. Good. Left Rick Nash. Yeah, you know, for you know, it's been quite a journey with him. Um, he is, and I'll be writing about him coming up here soon. Uh, he's two years, two weeks younger than me, so I was, you know, I was watching the draft when he got picked, and it's been interesting to follow our our careers and our lives as they've gone on. It's been an interesting uh, path, and it's, uh, and you know, I was I was hurt when he left, and you know, he asked to be traded, but. Uh, uh, nice to have him back in the fold and back as part of the organization. So, uh, and you know, he, he's was such a big part of the first decade of, of team history. So I'm, I'm very happy to get Nash. Uh, I will pick Ryan Johansson. I think that he and cam had okay. so much fun together. And if you throw bread in the mix, it's just a lot of fun and a lot of dynamic playing Johansson in his prime was arguably one of the Jackets' best centers um, yeah. to have played. So I actually use my brain and not my heart on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that is a that's a good pick. Um, I am going to go with uh, Zach Wierenski because I want some I want some offense from the back end because I've got Bob. I can uh, afford to be more aggressive offensively. Uh, I know that he can he can cover things in the back end, so I want some goals from my defense from uh, Zach Wierenski. Darn it. (laughs) 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 We may have to make a trade later. (laughs) Um, I picked David Savard because he is a true and true defender. Um, He's basically a second goaltender. So, and I I think he's been a staple of the team for so long um, within the community and also on the ice. And it, why not have someone who's wanted to be here, stay here? Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So this, <laughs> this leaves me in kind of a tough spot. I'm trying to think about how 3D chess I can get with this here. Um, now I'm going to go with, uh, I think I need another good forward here. So I will go ahead and take Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I am prepared to hear all of the hate mail and the aggressive tweets for my next pick for defense. I just want to precurse this with before things went bad with the team, he was very good for the team, both on and off the ice. And he is one of the most talked about players, even though it's super negative because people hate him so much. I am picking Adam Foote. Oh, oh, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. When you started, I thought you were maybe going to say Jack Johnson. No. Uh, but yeah, I know he, he had he had some, some decent years here. That um, wow. Before things okay. went bad, I'm looking at it as before things went bad with him. He had a lot of upsides. He brought a lot to the team defensively. When they struggled to score, mm-hmm. he was able to score. He, you know, he was captain. Yeah. Yeah. He was captain. Yeah. And he, and he, he asked, he, you know, demanded a trade while he was captain as the yes. team was just a few points out of yes. a playoff spot and torpedoed that season. So he had he a could forget an airplane part. warming up on the runway, demanding a trade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if we can forget that part, we can't, <laughs> be great. We, we cannot, but we cannot deny what he brought to the team before that. He simultaneously made the team better and then just made them worse all in one season. Yeah, they, they, they went to the playoffs after he left. So I, the year after he left. So I would say that he deserves no credit for anything. Uh, I'm expecting so I have other things to say about, about him that, that I cannot say <laughs> because this is supposed to be a PG rated podcast. Um, <laughs> But um, all right, well, you know, and I feel like I'm not going to try to say a lot more if I went with that. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm not going to try to talk you out of your pick because (laughs) there's someone that I I cannot believe is still on the board (laughs) at this point that I'm going to take. I will take Seth Jones. Amy Jones, please don't be mad at me (laughs) for leaving him off of my list. (laughs) I I thought I was just going to get one of those guys. But if I can get both Z and Jones, then um, yeah. All right. (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was going to have to take like you know Fedor Tutin as my other defense, which would have been great. I would have loved if he's a solid guy. He was you also know. on my list. I had a hard time with defense. Like yeah. I had three different forwards, like three different kinds of forward groups, and yeah. each one depended upon whoever I was able to draft first. Okay. So the defense was so much hard, harder. Was more hard. Oh my gosh, I can't speak tonight. Anyways, so there. With my pick, there is a little disclaimer because I'm drafting the person who we all love to chant at when he comes back in. He's not even playing anymore, so it's not as much fun. But I am drafting mononucleosis Steve Mason. Okay. Not full Steve Mason. Yes. Just the year that he had mono and won the Calder. Because well, on, on my board here, I have literally written down Rookie Mason. <laughs> Yours sounds so much nicer than mine. <laughs> so if I, if I couldn't take Bob with the first pick, with my last pick, I was going to take 
rookie Steve Mason as my goalie. Uh, I, I thought about putting Mark Didi on there, but I looked up his stats and they, they weren't quite as good as I remembered. And I thought there wasn't quite enough to justify taking Corpy or Elvis, but uh, yeah, no, the r- rookie Mason was fantastic. I, d- I don't know if it's fair to limit it to such a small portion of the guy's career, oh, but, but, uh, but we were on the same wavelength here. So I guess I have to allow it. So, all right. There are no real rules here. Come on. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, all right. So um, with my last forward spot here, I am going to go uh, completely Homer on this one. Okay. And I think you know who this I is going to be. <laughs> Bjorkstrand! <laughs> so happy that I got him. I thought <laughs> about draft. I thought about drafting him first just to be a savage, but... It's not as much fun when it's two people. Like if it I was, I was really people. afraid that that's what you were going to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I figured it's like not as much fun to have one person angry when there's only two people drafting. <laughs> but if there was three people, I would have sniped him. And, and just and just to to point out then uh, the the other uh, forward that I had on my board as a as a backup option and there's also someone to go again early years and not just the recent times uh jeff sanderson was another one that was yeah. going to throw in there as a, as a potential guy so uh, yep. just honorable mention to to him um all right so i think we're up to your your final pick now yeah uh, for the coaching. selecting your coach so. so i'm taking hitch because i feel like he would work really well with johansson and cam and all of the guys i picked okay so. Uh, I am going to, as much as I love John Torella, I'm not going to go with him. I'm going to go with kind of a wild card on this one. And again, based more, not so much on this time in Columbus, but I'm going to say Gerard Gallant. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because I want, I want him to, to juice maybe the, the team a little bit offensively, um, and see what he can create with them, uh, in that regard. I wish he could have brought that here. I wish he could have brought that with him when he was here. Like I actually, <laughs> Uh, I was like, I already put Adam Foote, so I can't put Doug McLean. <laughs> I can't make everyone like double mad at me. So, <laughs> well, which yeah, both McLean and Gallant were basically uh, interim coaches uh, yes. when they were when they were behind the bench. So, all right, so go, uh, go ahead and uh, to recap, run through uh, your your roster by position here. Okay, so for forwards, I have Panarin, Atkinson. Johansson. I, I did not say that in the proper Johansson's the center, but um, and then for defense, I have David Savard and Voldemort. Um, <laughs> for goaltender, I have Mononucleosis, Steve Mason, and then Hitch for yeah. Who, which is a, which is a great pick for coach because he did a lot of. Uh, great things for the franchise and I think really established the what has become now the Blue Jackets identity I think because I feel a lot of what he did then is also what Todd Richards did and the team had success with and then what John Torrell has done the team's had success that same kind of defensive approach to the game Um, you know I think he got Rick Nash to become more of a two-way player yeah which made Rick Nash a much better player Um, so yeah Hitch Hitch is a great choice there Uh, so for my roster I've got uh, Rick Nash Pierre-Luc Dubois and Oliver Bjorkstrand as my forwards. Uh, I've got Zach Lorensky and Seth Jones as my uh, elite defensive pair, uh, both ends of the ice there. And then uh, two-time Vesna winner, Sergei Bobrovsky uh, in net 
cleaning things up there. Uh, and then Gerard Gallant behind the, uh, the bench, hopefully bringing some of that Vegas magic. And I don't know, maybe Seattle magic, uh, <laughs> the way things are going. All right. How do you think so, our teams would have paired up against each other? Uh, well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything about that. I will let our listeners chime in so you can reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook and the comments at jacketscanon.com. Uh, and let us know which of these two lineups you prefer and which one you think would win in a head to head battle. That would certainly be uh, a fun game to watch. I think for sure. (laughs) Lots Um, of scoring. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are, we're running a bit long here, but we do have one final thought we wanted to talk about. Uh, Will cannot be on the podcast tonight, but he wanted us to mention this. And I agree, this is important to mention. We lost a a great, uh, great man, great Canadian uh, over the weekend, Alex Trebek. The the longtime Jeopardy host passed away at the age of 80. Uh, He had been fighting cancer uh, with really amazing, the uh, dignity and bravery with which he faced that. And, you know, despite what he was going through, did not let it slow him down from continuing to make the show that he loved uh, and that he'd been part of for so long. Uh, He started hosting that show the year I was born. Um, And I'm not a super young person anymore. Uh, (laughs) It says a lot. So he's all I've known for that show. Um, I'm curious to see who they pick to host him. It's, it's not going to be the same without him, but I hope the show can continue and he would want the show to continue with someone else. Um, he just guy with such class. Uh, and, um, you know, I saw some tributes online pointing out that, you know, he made, he and that show made being smart, a good thing, Yeah, you know, and it certainly has inspired me to have this love of trivia which I've continued to have all my life. I, you know, did geography be in grade school and then I did quiz bowl in high school and college. And then I've since been coaching quiz bowl at the high school level, um, for the last, you know, dozen years. Um, I've done, you know, bar trivia on a regular basis with my friends. I've done some online trivia leagues. Um, I, I love these ways to, to learn things and then to show what I've learned and, um, it's good to know things. It's cool to, to know a lot about a lot of things. It's, uh, and so I like that Jeopardy has, you know, made that mainstream. That's something that people respect. You know? Yeah. The, for me, it was the same thing. Basically, I, a lot of, um, because I'm so bubbly and my natural hair color is blonde. Um, and I was super into sports. A lot of people would, think I was flaky or dumb and the more women that he had on the show the more women that showed up I was very intrigued by that and just never stopped learning never stopped wanting to learn and I mean that's why I did academic challenge when I was in high school on top of sports so it made me realize that like it is cool like you don't have to hide being a smart person and you don't have to be super smart either you know, no one is smart at, there's very few people who know everything. And that's mm-hmm. what the show portrayed in my mind was you can be so good at knowing science or knowing art, but you have to know the other things to go along with it. So it, it always, um, it was always a fun time too. I, I had several roommates, especially my, my roommate Tori, 
who is fighting cancer right now, who we would DVR it and then she would wait until I came home from super showcases or from, from practice when we were living in Columbus and, um, and we would watch it and it was really hard to not watch it before she got home or before I got home. So <laughs> like this understanding. Um, yeah. So it, cause you want to compete against each other while watching right. it. Of course, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it, I feel yeah. like a lot of people had traditions and memories surrounding it. And I hope whoever, if they decide to keep it going, they pick someone who is as compassionate, as sassy, yeah. as funny, <laughs> has a wicked mustache, you know, like someone who embodies <laughs> what, what Jeopardy is, but also embraces everything. Like he was a huge hockey fan and he, I mean, yeah, Canadian, but which I, it was cool. Cool. This year when Ottawa yes. had him, film the announcement for one of their picks. That was, that was really neat. Uh, that was a special thing that he got to do that. He was, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw the link that I had posted in cannon blast in our Slack, but someone shared a video from some, uh, highlight yeah. reel of the 1967 Stanley cup playoffs that, he narrated when he was working for the CBC back in the day. And, you know, he sounds different. He sounds like a much younger man, but it's still, there's the tone is still there. And the, some of the patter of the voice is still, it's still him. And it's, it's, and it's just a really well done narration of these hockey highlights and cool to see, you know, 1967 hockey highlights in color. Right. These, you know, all these great players playing back then. That was, uh, so that's really interesting. So be sure to check out Cannon Blast this yeah, week. No, I saw that. Uh, I posted the video in there. It's, a lot. <laughs> um, I also think that SNL needs to do some sort of like cold open this coming Saturday with Trebek and um, Sean Connery. They yes. Need to do it, and it yeah. just needs to be like Jeopardy in heaven. Like just send him <laughs> off in such a way that is just so uniquely Saturday Night Live. And if well, and of course, I, I saw the clip posted this week as well of when and on Will Ferrell's last show as a cast member, they did a celebrity Jeopardy sketch and Alex Trebek made an appearance yes. as himself at the end of the sketch. Um, we had Cyril Hammond and Sean Connery teasing both of them and the real Trebek, not, not taking the, uh, not taking the yes. ridicule. So, um, so anyway, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Alex Trebek. And thanks for everything. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates.